Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Metal Mike here and this is the 100th episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast. Can you believe it? Because... I frankly cannot. <laughs> so, hey, in this one, we talk to a bass legend, Rudy Sarzo. We hear about his return to Quiet Riot, his time with Randy Rhodes and Ozzy, and we talk a little White Snake as well. Now, stay tuned after the interview for the Glammy Awards. Yes, the votes are in. So, stay tuned and see what former guests won awards. Check this out. So, Rudy, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, Mike. How you doing? God uh, bless you, and thank you for having me on the show. Yes, I'm so glad to have you here, man. You, you said been in a lot of bands that I've enjoyed over the years, so I'm really looking forward to uh, having a conversation with you today. Okay. Super exciting yeah. news, man. You're back home in Quiet Riot. How did this all come together? Well, it's been in the works for a while. It was just a matter of, you know, doing it uh not only with the right timing but also you know it was a move that not only that it had to be it had to be smooth transition basically uh not only the transition of me coming over from the guess who back to choir riot but also the transition of uh for for chuck wright the bassist who's been you know who's currently there and uh so it 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 had to be done as smooth as possible. I mean, of course, you know, it's not going to be... We we just have to try to do our best mm-hmm. to make it a smooth transition, you know. So that's what it took a while to do because, you know, the, it, the, the timing had to be the right time and uh, make sure that all the commitments were fulfilled from all ends mm-hmm. according to uh, agreements that we have. And uh, so it's it's... Let's talk about, well, Frankie Benelli is going to be a year on Friday that he passed away. Mm-hmm. But after he passed away, I got to live with Regina. Actually, she made it possible for me to be by Frankie's side a few hours before he passed. Uh, you know, uh, she made it possible for me to come to the hospital. And, I, I, you know, there were a lot of difficulties during that we experienced in COVID. So, you know, here you have somebody who, in 2019, Frankie had me over at his house, give me the, uh, you know, revealed to me that he's been diagnosed with uh, stage 4 pancreatic cancer, and immediately started treatments, doubled down on the treatments. You know, he was getting the, uh, the chemo, and then he was getting alternative treatments, and then he was also continuing to tour, and that takes a lot of, a lot of energy, mm-hmm. you know, so he was focusing on that, and then a few months after that came COVID, and that made it really, really impossible for all, all you know, us to get together, and meanwhile, he was still taking treatment and touring with the band, and uh, I gotta tell you, it's, it became harder and harder to actually, to be able to, you know, be in the presence of, of Frankie, it became impossible, because there was no vaccine available yet. And even if there was, you have to be, you know, you have to be careful, mm-hmm. you know. So a year ago, still with no vaccine, 
and and and, and hospitals making it virtually impossible to visit due to COVID. Uh, Regina made it, you know, made made it happen that I was there with her and and Frankie's daughter, actually, in in the hospital room, you know, hours before he passed. So uh, shortly after he passed, I went to visit Regina. And she asked me to to consider returning to Quiet Riot, and of course, it was not a decision that I was going to make immediately right there, because you know here we all are dealing with Frankie's recent passing, and uh, we gave it a lot of thought, and uh, and basically, here we are. You know. Yeah. Well, that's great that you got to spend some time with him before he passed, because at the end of the day, all band stuff aside, you know, we're all people and this is all, you know, it's heavy stuff to go through. So I'm glad that you were able to, you know, be with him at the end. Yeah. You know, I, it, it was a must for me to be there. Of course, you know, there were so many elements that we had no control of. If if Kaiser, you know, the hospital said, listen, you know, we, we're going through this COVID situation and... No, you can't come come in. I mean, there was nothing I could do about it. But thank God that I was able to. And um, you know, next year marks 50 years of me having met Frankie, played with him 10 years on and off, 10 years uh, before we actually recorded Metal Health in 1982, the album. And so Frankie, my entry or my he was my mentor into rock and roll. You know, as I, I grew up in a, in a in a Cuban culture neighborhood, and all the musicians, you know, yeah, yeah, we love rock and we love to play rock, but it was not performed in a in a traditional Anglo British invasion influence kind of way. Yes, we were influenced, but yes, there was a lot of the last musical influences that that, were, that we were not even aware of. This is this is how we spoke. This is how how we play. And, you know, I have an accent. Yes, because I'm Cuban, and this is what you know. This is this is something that I have not worked on because I didn't want to work on. I didn't want to lose my accent, but I did want to play British invasion music properly, the way it was played. And Frankie was. The first person that I met in South Florida, because he was he was living in Fort Lauderdale and I was living in Miami, so he was the first one to actually play drums, like let's say John Bonham kind of you know style of playing. And there were no Cubans that I played with in Miami that played drums like that. And no, it was not part of our culture. You know, uh, there there are benefits on both sides, but I made a choice. I want to. I I didn't want to be in Santana, even though I love Santana, <laughs> right. but I, I wanted to be in Led Zeppelin. You know, right. in my mind, I wanted to be in Led Zeppelin. You know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so Frankie was was the one who actually taught me how to be part of a rhythm section and the fundamentals of of playing in that style. You know, so my my whole journey actually began in the fifties towards a single consciousness. So here we have a consciousness of Frankie and myself. And my brother was there too, Robert. He was, uh, he was part of our, of our group. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I uh, actually started touring it when in the Midwest, in the mid-70s, with Frankie. We were based out of Chicago and uh, in the mid-70s. And then we made our move to L.A. in 
we we made different trips and we kept running out of money. So we had to go back out there and tour again with different bands, you know, bar bands, and then come back to LA. And uh, it was my last trip back to LA was in 78. That's when I joined Quiet Riot, you know. And again, finding a whole band that already was together in Los Angeles with the same consciousness as I, as I had, that was... That that's what gave me the feeling of okay, I'm gonna put all my energies into into this band. I'm not gonna look outside of this band. These are the guys that I want to have a future with. And I'm talking 1978, the Randy Rose version of the band. And, and it's interesting that that you know you have the glam metal 80s mm-hmm. 80s. Uh, uh, moniker on the show you know and the uh, and that consciousness because that is exactly where we drew ours from now ours was the 70s glam metal sure and you would not have 80s glam metal without the 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 origin of glam which is in the 70s you know exactly and uh, that's what choir riot that's that that was our consciousness that's what we were all about especially with the Randy Rose version. That's how we dress on stage. You know, we had like little costumes and little outfits. And then, you know, we were at 70 glam metal as you could actually be without coming from England. (laughs) 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 You know, you were like a a Los Angeles version of of that, you know. Because those are the bands that, not only the music, but the consciousness, the fellowship that we have. That's what we had in common. You know, and, and to me, every significant band is all about one thing. It's the music. You're together, playing together, not because of any, that you belong to a sport, you know, let's say you follow the Dodgers. No, no. It's all about music, you know, or, or, or religion or politics. No, it's all about the music. At some point, that might get in the way and usually does. But at the very, very beginning, the reason why you all play in the same band is because you have one single mind, you know, one single, one collective consciousness about it. And even after, let's say, um, Quiet Riot broke up in 1979 when Randy left to join Ozzy and Kevin started a band called Dubrow and a lot of the material that went up on, on the album Metal Health is, that was written during that Dubrov period, especially Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. And I used to play Thunderbird with Kevin in Dubrow and many of the other songs that went up on Metal Health. So while I'm, play, I'm living with Kevin, I'm playing in Dubrow, and I get the call to audition for Ozzy, and I got the gig. You know, And what made it, and of course, it... Uh, so much of it had to do with the fact that Randy recommended me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and he had gained, you know, Sharon's and, and Ozzy's trust. And that's how I got to get what made it so easy for me to fit in. Not only easy to fit in, but actually easy to go from playing in a local band. I had never been on tour. I had never played in front of 10,000 people or, or more, not even close. I had never done that. But what made it so comfortable for me to be there was Randy. He goes, here I am again, a part of, I'm playing with, with Randy Rhodes, not only, you know, former bandmate in Quiet Riot and incredible musician, but somebody who 
who even though he was playing Aussie music, you know, music written basically to fit to suit the image of a Black Sabbath singer mm -hmm. going solo. There was so much quiet riot consciousness that surrounded him because that's all he knew and he just knew how to be himself, which is what when when he when Randy joined Ozzy, he asked Ozzy, What do you what do you want me to write? And Ozzy said, Just be yourself. And if you listen to songs like Crazy Train, yeah, it has that dark drift, da, 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 da. but once you get to the verse and all that, it's it's a major song. You know, it's a happy song. Yeah. Very close to riffs that Randy used to write for Choir Riot songs. You know, there's a lot of Choir Riot essence in that. You listen to Goodbye to Romance. Well, that's pretty close to a song we used to do in Choir Riot. The originally was called Teenage Anthem, and then it got re uh, when it was uh, actually reworked and recorded for the Condition Critical album. It, it it got named the Winners Take All. You know, so there's there's a lot of the essence of Choir Riot in early early Aussie. As a matter of fact, uh, before I even joined the band when they toured Bob, with uh, Bob Basley and Lee Kerslake, you could see Randy wearing quiet riot clothing that he used to wear with us on stage during that tour, you know? <laughs> and and if you look at that picture, when I joined the band, it was basically Ozzy from Black Sabbath, Tommy Aldis from Black Oak, and two guys from Quiet Riot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? So, yes, there was an Ozzy consciousness being in the band because it's all about Ozzy and that certain image that was, that was nurtured carried over from Black Sabbath and taken to a whole different level once once it became Ozzy Osbourne. But there but Randy made it feel very made it made it feel very comfortable for me to be there. And having said that, I have to say the same thing about Sarah and Ozzy, but it they had a whole different idea than Randy and I had, both coming from Choir Riot and coming from the Sunset Strip. Whereas Ozzy and Sharon were coming, Ozzy was coming from Black Sabbath, and Sharon was coming from that, you know, uh, she, she managed, she worked for her father's management company and record company. So it was a very deep-rooted British, British rock scene that she had, she was born into, you know. So it, it was a, a kind of like a blending of, of, of like British, British metal, British rock that was deeply rooted into like, you know, Don Arden, he managed that he had his label and he worked with the Faces and Humble Pie and uh, yeah, definitely, definitely the Faces, early Faces. I'm not sure about Humble Pie though, but definitely uh, the early Faces. And uh, he had ELO at the time, uh, Air Supply, so it was really uh, rooted in that scene. And then you have a couple of guys from L.A. coming into it, you know, so that that was a very interesting dynamic, especially at that time, even though Sharon asked me to be Ozzy's drinking buddy. And I say, OK, why not? <laughs> you know, and soon I learned that I could not keep up with Ozzy. So, so having said that, and uh, so, you know, again, I got back on track. It only lasted like a few days. It only takes a few days to, to realize you can't keep up with this guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went back into like more of a civilized behavior on stage, you know. Or no, no, not, not just on stage, but off stage, 
you know, I, I, I never drank on stage, but off stage, you know, and, uh, and I, and I'm going to say this because, you know, I've been asked this question a lot about Randy, Randy Rose, especially now he's been, you know, he's been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been asked that, the question about it, about Randy influence. And so I have to like really study it so I could give a, a an educated answer from my perception of being there and, and looking at what was going on and what actually happened as far as his musical influence. And if you look back late 70s, the last shredder, guitar hero whose band got signed was Van Halen mm-hmm. and immediately after Van Halen came in so did Punk and New Wave so there was not a, a continuation of okay you have Van, Eddie Van Halen and then and then these musicians were influenced by him and, and there you got these other bands no it, it, it just they, they shut the doors of uh, record labels shut the doors on bands getting signed in Los Angeles you know so it took Randy to leave L.A., go to England, you know, record with Ozzy, and then come back to the United States with Ozzy to restart what had ended with Eddie Van Halen. So having said that, I mean, Randy just came in, you know, from England with that batch of songs. Great record, incredible record, landmark record. You know, and Ozzy and... and and just basically, he was himself every night on that stage, you know. And if you take a look at a photo of Randy with early Choir Ryan, and you take a look at Randy with Ozzy, it's exactly the same energy, mm-hmm. the same passion. I wanted to ask you about White Snake because uh, I got into music in the mid '80s, and uh, actually, White Snake Motley Crue was the first concert I ever went to, and that you were playing at that one. Um, what was that like getting into White Snake? Because you didn't play on that album, but then this band gets constructed, you know, to go out on tour and to do the videos. Was that awkward, or, or were you fine with it? What are your thoughts on getting into the band in '87? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Well, my my roots with White Snake they date back to 1984, the Condition Critical Choir Riot tour, when White Snake was the uh, the opening band. So I, I, I met everybody. I became very uh, close with all the members. And uh, I have been a fan of Whitesnake, you know, since, since the 70s. So <laughs> it was wonderful. And, and, you know, and David, you know, with Deep Purple, you know, so mm-hmm. w- one, of, one of my favorite records of all time, Burn, you know. Yep. As a matter of fact, I, I'll never forget going to Frankie Benali's home. And he used to work at a, at a record store, Frankie did. And so he had a massive collection of albums. And he's the one who turned me on to the Bird album. And uh, li- you know, listening to those songs for the very first time in his uh, bedroom at his parents' house. And uh, so when, when I left Quiet Riot in 1985, uh, I got a call from management. And at the time I was putting the band together with, with Tommy Aldridge. Mm-hmm. And we went over to White Snake's management office, and they offered us to join the band. And what happened is this: I have, since I had toured with White Snake, I knew about the uh, the inner conflicts that were going on within the band. So I was not surprised that there was going to be a new band shortly, sure. because it, you know there, there was so much conflict going on. I, I could not see that sort, you know, 
surviving. But then uh, when I when they brought us in, there was one musician left in the band that was part of that conflict. And I decided, and I said, no, I'm just leaving one situation. I don't want to join another situation. <laughs> right. So I, I, I passed on the opportunity in 1985. And I, I really believe that I w if I would have said yes, I would have never made it through past the recording of, of the record. Mm -hmm. Because nobody from that record survived no. <laughs> went on to, you know, to the 1987 tour. Um, they, uh, Adrian was, had joined Whitesnake right before they finished the record. So the 87 record. So he got to play the solo on Here I Go Again. But there's no other musician besides, of course, David Coverdale, who made it from that record to the tour, 1987. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think of Slip of the Tongue? I love that album. I, I, I think it's, I, I thought you and, and the rest of the guys brought a real heavy groove to that album. And I love Steve Vai and Whitesnake. What, what do you think of it? You know, that's an interesting record because uh, there was a certain uh, vision for that record that by the time it was recorded, uh, Adrian Vandenberg was not able to, to lay down his guitar tracks because he was injured. Mm -hmm during uh, the production of the album. And then they, uh, Steve Vai was brought in, and he, he brought in a beautiful vision because he was, he was very aware of being able to fit into what the music that had been created or written, mm -hmm. especially the guitar parts, but then he brought in his own flavor to it. So it's kind of like a beautiful blend of, of, the, of the White Snake Consciousness, and I mean everything dating back to the first album, and just usually a, a uh, natural growth from one record to the other. And this definitely, it was going to be a growth even without Steve, but Steve made it a growth and almost a quantum leap into the future of <laughs> right. what was considered. Because if you listen to a record now, it's very uh, contemporary. Yeah. You know, whereas 30 years ago when it first came out, it was. It was ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now, one guy that you've done some work with that I'm a really big fan of uh, is Mike Vissera. I, I, and I thought you've done some interesting stuff with him, especially uh, Animetal USA. Talk about Mike a little bit. You like, do you like doing work with him? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love working with Mike. He's a consummate professional. You know, he's an incredible singer. He's got his own sound. Great to be on the road with and to be on stage. I mean, he's got great work ethics. By that I mean that we 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 we, we have actually in Anti Metal USA we have flown from LA to Japan. We arrive in Japan in Tokyo around five o'clock, you know, five o'clock in the morning, and straight from the airport we will go down to television station and start doing promo. And Mike had previously spent time in Japan while he was a member of Loudness. Mm -hmm. So he speaks some Japanese, and so he will be like doing the interviews, and then just get up there and sing live. Because see, it's a TV show, so so we actually get to to sync to our own you know parts that we, that that we recorded. But Mike had to sing live. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I mean, we knew how tough that was, but he always made it happen, and it, it was fantastic. Consummate professional. You know, 
great guy to hang around with. I love Mike, and I, I, I love working with him. Yeah. You know, probably like you probably do the same thing when you get ready to interview somebody. I know you do your radio show. You, you do some research, you know. And you know, I figured out. I, yeah. I was, you know, I was into music through a lot of your career, so I've known a lot of the things you've done. So I'm reading some stuff, and I'm like, Rudy was uh, in Angel for a brief period, and. I never knew yeah. that. I, I love the band Angel. Obviously, I wasn't there for their time, but I, mm. I discovered them after. I'm a big Kiss fan, so I discovered Angel kind of after the fact. But I didn't know that. Were, mm. now, were you, was it all the original guys plus you at that point? I know I know Frank was out of the band at a certain point, but who did you play with in Angel? Yeah, it was all the guys. Uh, I would have been. I would have been because if if I would have see originally, I was in Angel where I was where I was living. In Kevin Dubrow's apartment and playing in Dubrow, so I was doing multiple things. And uh, but we never play live. We just in Angel. We just uh, went into studio a lot to make demos because they were in between labels. Okay. And they were pretty close to getting signed, but by the time that I got the, the phone call from uh, from to audition for Ozzy, we still there was no record deal solidified. Not even close. Mm -hmm. It was just like that demo, making demo uh, process. And But I loved the band. And so when she called me the first time, I I turned it down. It wasn't until the following day, after meditating on it and (laughs) and having Kevin yell at me for turning down the opportunity (laughs) to audition for Ozzy, and especially to play with Randy again, which, you know, when I was asked, to audition, I didn't even consider that. It was just kind of like uh, more leaning towards, I really don't want to leave Angel, you know, type of uh, thought. So, uh, so uh, it, you know, it, it, it was hard because I really liked the guys and I, and I, I, I loved everything about Angel, but then again, I was sleeping on the floor and barely <laughs> having any money to eat. There really no money to eat. I was, all the money that I was making was playing gigs with, with Dubrow. And I mostly went to uh, to pay my rent at Kevin's uh, apartment. <laughs> so you had to do what was financially smart. Makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm the type of musician that you know, especially when I did not have any responsibilities before I was married or or was with anybody that I that I had to devote my life to, like my wife for mm-hmm. 37 years. Uh, all the decisions were made basically on on a musical basis it was not about the money mm-hmm. it was about the music the quality of the music music and the quality of the musicians that i was going to play with or the people or or having made a commitment you know uh it, it was it was it was tough very tough having to call the guys i believe i called frank demino because i think he was kind of like running running the business at the time he was like the most uh focused <laughs> In the business end of, of Angel, so I called him to to let him know that I I had you know joined Ozzy, and it was not easy, not easy at all. It never is. Sure, sure. never is. You know, I find myself uh, even recently telling the guys in in the guest too that I had you know that I was called going back to Quiet Riot, and and they understood, especially the uh, the founding member Gary Peterson, our drummer, because uh, he's the only founding member left in the guess who I took over the other founding member mm-hmm. uh, Jim Kale in the band I've been there for five years so 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 he understands what my decision is based on you know and and my commitment and and it's like he knows I've had this conversation with him 
any band that I do outside of Quiet Riot, which is what my, it's my consciousness. This is what I believe in, mm -hmm. what we did in that band, whether it was with Randy and then it got carried over to, uh, to the Metal Health version. That's me. That's me. If you see me on stage, that's me. That, nobody telling me to be that guy or not to be that guy, you know. And, but then there is, let's say, when following Quiet Riot, I went into Whitesnake. And I asked David, and of course, like I mentioned before, David had been watching me just about every night on tour because we, we, we toured together. So he knew what I was all about on stage, mm -hmm. my performance. And I asked him, what do you want me to do performance-wise? Because I, you know, it, 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 was, it was a whole different white state from that, you know, from the 80, with that 87 touring band that also was the mostly without difference between Vivian being not being there and then Steve I, but it was still the rest of us mm -hmm. for the Slip of the Tongue tour. It was a whole different attitude on stage that we had in comparison to the previous band or previous incarnations of, of Whitesnake. You know, this is this was a band from from the eighty seven touring band on to the Slip of the Tongue. That was pretty much an MTV American consciousness. Yes. The way we did things. The way that the image we had a, uh, a, uh, I, I, I just did a, 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 a show with Fleur Steinmeier, who was our designer. She was so many things. The first, for the first video that I did with Whitesnake, uh, Slip of the Tongue, she came to my house, she went through my closet, she picked clothing, and she said, bring this to the video shoot tomorrow. Okay, she had done that with every guy. She had gone to their place and looked through the closet and brought the, the, that. Okay, so in that video, it's clothes that we had. And she gave us a kind of like a, a cohesive look image. Mm -hmm. By the time that we did Here I Go Again and Is This Love, which were actually done back to back, oh, now we're a band. See, because we were not a band officially on the uh, Slip of the Tongue video. Yeah, We had just met right there at the video shoot and we did this. Now we're a band for Here I Go Again. And that's more of, okay, now we're gonna make you guys clothing. So she designed certain looks for each one of us. And from then on, you know, and now it became like, okay, this is the, the white snake look, you know. And a lot of it had to do with ideas that what he brought in, but it was mostly, I would say 90% of it was uh, Fleur's vision. Mm -hmm. She's a pro. She worked with the best. She made the best look great. So I always leave it up to her anytime that we get to work. It's like, hey, do your thing. I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have contact with uh, Carlos Cavazzo? I mean, do you, do you ever think you'll ever play with him again? Or what's your relationship? You know, my, my, yeah, my contact with Carlos has always been when we bump into each other, you know, we give each other a hug and how are you doing? And then we just carry on with life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Rudy, it's been great talking with you, man. Uh, I can tell that you know Quiet Riot is in your blood. I know we talk about all these different bands, but you're always going to be Rudy Sarzo from Quiet Riot. So it's great news that you're back. Anything you want to say in closing, my friend? I I can't wait to uh, for Rudy Sarzo from Quiet Riot to go back out there with the guys again. You know, with Quiet Riot. You know, it's it's going to be a celebration of a legacy that for me personally dates back 50 years. Next year, 
is the 40th anniversary of the recording of the Metal Health album. Because it was released in 83, but it was recorded in 82. Mm -hmm. And it had its own journey to become, to even become Quiet Rider again, you know. Uh, because it did not become Quiet Rider officially until we signed the record deal with, uh, with Pasha Columbia Records. And then we did our first show as Quiet Riot in March of 1983, the weekend of the Tuesday when the album was dropped. We never used to call it drop because if you drop a vinyl, it would break. <laughs> so the album release, they used to release on Tuesdays. Release, And that yes. weekend we did four shows in two nights at the Roxy in Los Angeles. So that was the return of Quiet Riot in 83 because every other show, once Randy left, it stopped being Quiet Riot, then it became Dubrow, and then it became Quiet Riot again once the album was released, Metal Health, and we played at the Roxy. Yeah. So I... I just I just can't wait to go back out there with you know this time with uh, Jizzy Pearl and and Johnny Kelly and uh, Alex Grossi you know go back out there and celebrate the legacy of Quiet Riot you know celebrate Kevin Frankie Randy every time I play Thunderbird I know what that song is about mm -hmm. you know and that's the song that brought me back in, into the band for the Metal Health version of the band and uh, you know. It's a celebration of their memory and, and all the, their contributions, you know, and the single conscious that that Quiet Riot is all about, which is about feeling the noise and banging your head. <laughs> That's a great way to end it, my friend. Thanks so much for your time. You have a great day. You too, Mike. God bless you. Bye-bye. Yep. God bless. Well, here we are to commemorate the 100th episode of the 80s Glam Metalcast. It's the Glammies. Yes, we did a Twitter poll with lots of questions for you guys. You voted, and we'll reveal all the winners here tonight. So first up, the first award is for Best Accent. Yes, that's right. Over the past almost two years, we've talked to people all over the world, people in Australia, the UK, Sweden, you name it. So many cool accents, and it really just made me jealous because uh, I just have a regular American accent. I like these foreign accents. They sound cool. You voted for the best accent of anybody that was ever on the 80s glam metal cast. And the glammy goes to Ronnie Latikro from TNT. Yeah! All right. Now, Ronnie, can you give us some words of wisdom in that super cool accent of yours? Hard rock and heavy metal is the only solution for world peace because music is the instrument for world harmony. That was freaking beautiful. So next up is the best hair of the 80s. So who was on that had the best hair in the 80s? Now, there was some cool hairdos, man. If you go through and scroll through the channel, you'll see what I'm talking about. But there is a winner, and you guys voted for Mark Torian from the Bullet Boys. Now, Mark wasn't able to join us, but I did get a memo back from his management saying, that's hilarious. Well... I'm not laughing because on the 80s glam metal cast, we take hair very seriously. So now we're moving on to who your favorite drummer is that's been interviewed on the 80s glam metal cast. And you know, there was lots of cool drummers that came on, but the glammy goes to Vinnie Epicy. Yes, 
Now, Vinny couldn't join us, but I'm sure that he holds this honor in the highest of regards. Next up is bass. Who did you guys vote for that was your favorite bass player that's been on the 80s glam metal cast? Let's check this out. The Glammy goes to Kelly Nichols. Kelly, congrats. Anything you want to say, my friend? Yeah, thanks. It's all about the bass player. <laughs> very, very nice. Wow, now this is a tough one. We put it out there. Who is your favorite guitarist that's ever been on the 80s glam metal cast? And you know what? There have been so many killer 80s shredders. Just so many to choose from. But one was chosen by you guys. The Glammy goes to Bruce Kulik. Now, Bruce, anything you want to say about this prestigious award? It's totally mind-boggling, you know. So, it's a good thing. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Vocals, wow. Tons and tons and tons of cool vocalists. But the Glammy can only go to one person. And it goes to Stephen Percy of Rat. Now, Stephen, what do you think of all this? <laughs> I embrace it. You know, I'll embrace it. It doesn't matter to me. Well, hey, man, it, it matters to us. We appreciate you coming on the show. So we had a lot of themed episodes uh, with lots of different special guests. We've had Kiss themed. We've had Poison themed. We've had Crew. All kinds of cool people have been on. People like Chuck Shue and Pastor Wildman and Steve from the Wildman and Steve show. So, so many cool people have joined us from other shows. Glam metal authors have been on like Christopher Hilton, Paul Miles. But only one could win. And the Glammy goes to the historian, Bob Nash. Now, Bob couldn't join us. He's out rubbing elbows with, with big timers like uh, Eddie Trunk and the guys from Three Sides of the Coin. But uh, I'm sure he's appreciating this award. I'm just kidding. I'm sure Bob will be on again, and we'll do some more KISS conversations. Now, last but not least, it's going to be for your favorite episode, 1 through 99. It's the one that has the most views. Multiple stories came out of this. It was published in lots of different websites multiple times. The Glammy goes to Joe Lynn Turner. So what do you think of this, Joe? And the people that have supported and loved me all these years... I would be nowhere without them. And that's something that I fully understand, realize, and I'm blessed for. So I just want to say to everybody out there who has, I love you, I bless you, and I'm thankful eternally for all of that. And that goes for you too, buddy. <laughs> well, thank you, my friend. Uh, in all seriousness, everybody, thanks for joining me on this glam metal journey. You can check out all the episodes that we talked about on the channel, and there's a lot more on the way. There's only one way to close this 100th episode out is by saying, Rock on!